It is very good to have you and see you all in the morning worship service. Glad that you are here, and I trust that you have come with a joy in your heart of the Lord and ready to praise His great name. We're going to do that by starting with hymn number nine, Jesus, Thou Joy of Loving Hearts. Let's stand, please, as we worship our God. Let's come to the Lord now, please, in prayer and commit this day and this service and praying each one that our hearts will be in tune with Him to receive, well, that instruction that we all need in our own hearts. It's one thing to come to the house of God, and sometimes we do this out of a a matter of custom or form. It's the place we know we should be. Well, it's always important to ask the Lord to have a word for your own heart. I pray that myself, that through the reading of the Word, as the Spirit speaks through His truth, it will be convicting and directing and helping in my own soul. Let's bow before the Lord, please, in prayer. Our loving Father, what a joy 
It is for us to be in your presence this morning. And as we have been singing the, the joy of Christ in our hearts, the knowledge of Him within, it makes life worth living. And dear Father, I pray that we will always have that perspective that is clear, that our thinking would be molded by your Holy Word, and the Spirit would apply these very precious truths and promises that, Lord, quite often we have forgotten or we tend to ignore. But I pray, Lord, today that we would come under the direct power and influence of the Spirit through the Word, and that our worship through the hymns and psalms and the reading of the Scripture it would be a, a multiplied blessing to every heart. Dear Father, we come to present ourselves. And we would even say, Lord, we could rededicate our lives this morning, this day, to the greater cause of King Jesus and Your kingdom. And Father, our prayer is that we will be made of for the extension of that kingdom. And Father, it might please You to bless us abundantly. We know we have received so much already, for we have our sins forgiven. We have the knowledge of a home in heaven. We have the abiding presence of the Spirit with us all the time. And Lord, we pray that we will add to our knowledge, that Thou will give to us discernment and understanding and wisdom. We'll know how to conduct ourselves in a wicked and evil world. And Lord, we will have the right word, a word in season to a weary heart. And Father, You would bring across our pathway those people who are inquisitive, where Your Spirit has moved in their hearts, and You would make use of us to be signposts, to be ones who will lead men and women, boys and girls, to Christ. Father, help us, we pray, to that end. We can't do it by ourselves. Lord, therefore, we are asking for that gracious moving of the Spirit, that inner reviving of heart and soul, and that we will be immersed in Your Word, that we will memorize the Scripture, committing it to our hearts. For we know that word in the psalm that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And yet, Father, we know that Thy Word have I hid in my heart, and I might not sin against Thee. And so, Father, come near and bless us. Remember every member and attender of our fellowship here. And, Father, pour out Your Spirit on every family. We pray for those who are unsaved in our homes, in our extended families. We're asking, Father, for a mighty moving of Your grace to save them before it is forever too late. Dear God, bring conviction of sin and turn their hearts toward Calvary. My dear Father, we pray today that in our fellowship we would know blessing and direction and wisdom for every decision that has to be made, every turn, whether it's a, a new job or a new housing location, whatever the case may be, whether a big decision or a small one, Father, we commit our way unto You and pray 
for your divine help and direction in every single move. Lord, we ask for blessing upon those in our fellowship who are sad, grieving maybe the loss of loved ones, and we pray for your blessing to be poured out on them. We ask for blessing in everyone seeking for your direction. Maybe some decision has to be made, and I pray that you would guide unmistakably. Father, pour out your blessing on our, all our churches. We pray for those that do not have under-shepherds at this time. Bless the people. May they not, not become discouraged, but rather encouraged and looking and laying hold upon you to fill their vacant pulpit with the right man, the right time. Father, bless our land. We stand in great need of your moving, of the awakening, salvation for souls. And Father, an awakening and reviving of the church in Canada. We ask for this blessing. We pray for the restraint against evil and your blessing upon that which is good. Remember our politicians. Lord, they need help. They need much help. They need salvation. They need wisdom to make the right decisions. They need to be restrained from doing foolish things. And I pray that you would watch over them and govern our land, Father, I pray. Turn back those who are bent on wickedness and every form of immorality. And I pray that righteousness would rule in our land. To this end, Father, we pray for our school. Bless Whitfield as we'll be starting again in another week's time. Fill all of the staff members with the Holy Spirit and with all the equipment and power necessary. Bless our students and our mothers and fathers, our families. Be with every one of them. And Lord, may this new year be a year of great blessing, a year of salvation in the classrooms, in the hallways, a year of building up where our young people would be strong in Christ and going on to make a difference in this world. Father, hear our prayer today. Bless us now as we continue in our worship. May we know the joy and the blessing of the sunshine of heaven upon our entire day. For we ask all these things in our Savior's precious name. Amen. Let's turn, please, for our psalm this morning. Psalm 1. A great psalm that starts out the very book of psalms. We'll stand, please, as we sing.
Turn, please, in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. We're going to read the first 15 verses. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and every one that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. For this is the record that God hath given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. May God bless and reinforce His truth into every heart today as we have read His own precious Word. I want to welcome you all today to our morning worship service. Thank you all very much for your prayers. For Jill, myself, we were last week down visiting our family in North Carolina, and we had a very special time with our granddaughters, and it was a refreshing time we had away. And thank God for travels down and back again. Esther and Steve were celebrating their 15th wedding anniversary, and when I say those words, it makes me feel a lot older than I really am, and uh, those things come by us, 
And our other son has been married already five years. But those things, well, they're time markers for us. And it helps us to put in perspective at times, isn't it, where our life has been and where we are going. But we do thank the Lord for your faithfulness. And for the, the brethren who filled in the pulpit last week, the Brother Diderno in the morning, and uh, Jonathan Eccles at night. I was very disappointed because I was missed seeing Jonathan Eccles. I had arranged for him to come over here from Northern Ireland as a student to preach in Cloverdale, and then it developed and went to Prince George and Penticton, Calgary, Barrie, and here. And then just on the very Lord's days here, well, we had made previous plans and we were not able to be here. But I've had good communication with our brother Jonathan, and I know from the reports I've heard from you folks that you really enjoyed uh, the Lord's Day service last week and the preaching in the morning and the evening. And that's always an encouragement to me to know that uh, you're being blessed and he had good fellowship time as well last Lord's Day evening after the service. I want to say a word of welcome to our brothers Steve and Carol Kelly over in British Columbia. I believe that they're watching the service this morning. So brother and sister, we're holding you folks up very much in prayer. And others from our congregation near or far that I don't have and don't know exactly who's online, but uh, we want to welcome you all and pray that God would encourage your heart greatly in the Lord. Friday night passed. We had the part two of our Sunday school seminar with Reverend Ian Golliher. And I want to thank those Sunday school teachers who came out to that. And uh, those who did not come, well, you missed a great blessing. There were two excellent messages on the preparation of the person and the lesson for uh, teachers. And, you know, it's always a good thing to have a refresher course. I was saying uh, at the end of, well, both sessions, actually, how that it was a real encouragement to my own heart because all of the things that are applicable to preparing a Sunday school lesson or a Bible class lesson, well, they're applicable in so many areas of ministry, and that's why it was so valuable. Those sessions have been recorded, and we will make them available, plus the study notes that were there with them. We'll put them online so you'll be able to review them and be encouraged by them. Some sad news to share with you, and that's the, about the passing of Mrs. Sandra Brown. We had been praying for her, and Mrs. Femson uh, informed us. She left a message. I talked with her this morning because, of course, we had been away, and sadly, Mrs. Brown passed away about a week ago. Mrs. Femson didn't even know about it, so she was very disappointed and very sad. She'd been knowing her as a friend for about 35 years, and so that's been a great distress to Mrs. Femson, so do please remember her in prayer. We do not have any funeral details uh, because the family has not been in touch with us. So do remember that whole circumstance before the Lord. Also, please remember the Cranstons in your prayer in Port Hope. They're a bit under the weather, and our brother Frank DiDerno stepped in at the last moment to go and fill in the pulpit there. So he is preaching this morning and tonight. I know he'll appreciate your prayers. Please remember our pre-service prayer time today at 5.50 downstairs and our evening service tonight at 6.30. And I trust we will continue in our study of the life of Belshazzar from Daniel chapter 5. And do please read over that chapter this afternoon again and familiarize yourself with those events. There will be a Sunday school 
committee meeting. After the evening service tonight, we'll meet in the counseling room. And then please remember on Wednesday evening our Bible study and prayer time at 7.30. Now, as you know, Whitfield, our school ministry, will be commencing in another week's time, in the normal time, right after Labor Day. Tomorrow and Tuesday will be orientation days for our staff members and the team building exercises and just getting together for fellowship. So please be in prayer for these two days. And then also as the final preparations are made and as I in the opening prayer asking the Lord to really pour out His Spirit upon our staff members to bless them all in their own hearts because one of the points Mr. Gulliher brought out on Friday night was that the key issue uh, when it comes to teaching boys and girls, teaching in adult Bible class, preaching for that matter, the key factor is that you have a genuine love for the people that you're speaking to. For a Sunday school teacher to have the love of Christ that will be seen and evident in them, toward them, well, that's the most important thing. And so as we pray that for our local and our own Sunday school ministry, we pray it for our Whitfield school as well, and that God would bless and prepare and make this a very, very special year. Well, I did not omit welcoming Brother Sam Houston uh, to our service this morning, but I was very glad that yesterday I got a call from our brother. I was sorry that I missed last week, although I, I watched the service last week. Jill and I did down in North Carolina. We're greatly blessed by the ministry of Brother Eccles and the singing of Brother Sam. And so when he said he was coming to the service this morning, I said, Brother, you must come and share with us again and minister in song. And so, Brother, I'm going to ask you to come now and uh, share with us what the Lord has placed upon your heart. He's no stranger to our congregation here in Toronto, and uh, he has been a good friend to this fellowship over the years, and that's going way back to the days of Warden Avenue before many of you knew anything about that. Uh, but we have enjoyed great fellowship with our brother, and uh, we were very saddened uh, when we learned about the passing of his dear wife, Betty, a couple of years ago, and uh, very happy that our brother's over here visiting his family now here, and uh, we're happy to renew fellowship, brother, so it's great to have you. The Lord bless you. Bless you in singing today. Amen. Sam. Praise the Lord. I want to say thanks very much for the lovely friendship and fellowship that I've received from you dear people. And keep at it, because it's important that God's people love one another, even as Christ first loved us. And when you think of that, that's wonderful love. And it makes me wonder as this song is entitled, Why? I hope that you like the song. It's a lovely song. Thank you, sister.
him to Calvary's tree. Why, tell me why, was he there? Jesus, the helper, the healer, the friend. Why, tell me why, was he there? on him were laid he nailed them all to the tree Jesus the debt of my sin fully paid he paid the ransom sinner undone. Why, tell me why, should he care? I do not merit the love he has shown. Why, tell me why, should he Iniquities on him were laid. He nailed them all to the tree. Jesus, the debt of my sin fully paid. He paid the ransom. For me, why should I linger afar from his love? Why, tell me why, should I fear? Somehow I know. I should venture and prove why, tell me why, should I fear? All my iniquities on him were laid, he nailed them all. Jesus, the debt of my sin fully paid, he paid the ransom for me.
Now, brother, thank you very much for sharing that ministry and song, a great question, a great theme. And our brother has been singing for many, many years of his life and ministry to the honor and glory of the Lord. And we're glad that God has still kept you, brother, and you're able to continue to serve in this very, very important way. We're going to sing the congregational now, number 459. There's a peace in my heart that the world never gave, a peace it cannot take away. Though the trials of life may surround like a cloud, I have a peace that has come there to stay. Let's stand, please, as we sing these three verses.
Well, you are praising the Lord very well today with your voices and hearts, and it is good to rejoice in Him. Turn, please, in your Bibles now to John 15. The Gospel of John, chapter 15. first 12 verses. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, He is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. We'll bow, please, for prayer. Father, as we have enjoyed the Spirit's presence in our meeting so far, thankful for the open Scripture Thankful for these hymns and psalms, for the ministry of our brother Houston, and praying now, dear God, that we would be settled and taking every distracting thing away, that we be taught of the Holy Spirit this morning. O Father, hear us. Help me, I pray, to speak the word clearly. I might know the anointing of the Spirit for this very necessary and vital work of the preaching of the unsearchable riches of Christ Jesus. Bless us now today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. I want to continue today as we are 
looking at the subject of abiding in Christ and what that really means. If you were to ask someone if they were abiding in Christ, well, it would mean, do they have a saving relationship with Him? To the unsaved person, to ask such a question, you might get a blank stare. It's like asking them, well, do you know the Lord? And they don't know the meaning of the question. But if someone has experienced that regenerating power of the Spirit of God, then that question is a welcome one. And you would launch out to say, yes, I know Him. Yes, I love Him. Yes, I am abiding in Christ. I have experienced what exactly that means. And you know, friends, the evidence of this in the heart and in the life, it cannot be hidden. Yes, the characteristics of an abiding person in Christ, they are conspicuous. They stand out. And we would ask the question, well, why wouldn't they? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. He has been made anew from the inside out, and old things of the world are passed away, and the Lord says, behold, all things become new. Is this your testimony today? Is this what you know? In the second part of our considerations of this, and I, I will be looking at three parts of this, but we're thinking about the second part today of the teaching of John 15. We considered already about what it means to abide in Christ. Of course, you are saved from your sin. You have that living relationship of the Lord. But it also means from the text we're looking at today again, verse 7, that if a man abides in Christ and the Word of God, the Word of Jesus abides in them, well, that means that we have submitted ourselves, we've received the Scriptures, and we submit ourselves to the Word of God. It is our chart and compass. It's the, it's the GPS of our life. It's what's directing us to go in the direction that we are commanded to go in. And when we say that the Scriptures are the sole authority in our life of faith and practice, sometimes we kind of rhyme that off as a bit of a, a reformed catechism thought. But be careful, my friends. Don't just let that roll off your head, but let the very truth of it come to weigh down upon your mind and heart with great power. And let, our, let us see that demonstration of the abiding presence of the Spirit in us of Christ walking in us and we with Him, that we will indeed submit ourselves to the Word. It's the authority of our life. It governs our home. It governs our business. It governs our interactions with government. It governs all things. And we submit ourselves to that. But we also learn that abiding in the Lord it means that without Christ, we can do nothing. Now, we thought about, well, some things we could do in the flesh, we could say in one way, but spiritually, which is the main import of that word that we have, without the Lord Jesus, we cannot do anything. We need Him for all of our spiritual activity in life. We need, of course, Christ in us to have saved us, and His life now is in us spiritually, but we need Him to enable us to think holy thoughts and to go ahead with holy actions. 
We have total dependence upon the Savior. This is a spiritual reality. And that total dependence means that we cannot survive without Him. In fact, we could say it this way, that without abiding in Christ, we can do nothing. Without adhering to His Word, we can accomplish nothing. And without acknowledging the absolute supremacy of Christ Jesus, ultimately we are nothing. And so everything now hinges and focuses upon Him in our Christian life. I'm not telling you something today that is brand new to you, something you do not know, but I am telling you something that we all need to be reminded of and to be encouraged by. That if you are a believer today, this is the mark and these are the testimonies. Now, this morning... I want to continue. You'll notice the first point on the board is actually number four. That's simply because we're continuing on from the last time we were together. And so when we abide in Christ, we bear fruit for Him. Some weeks ago, I talked to you about a full harvest for Christ Jesus and bearing spiritual fruit for Him. It's evidence It's evidence to ourselves, it's evidence to other believers that we indeed are born again by the Spirit of God. We draw a continual supply of the grace and help and power in order to produce fruit in our life, spiritual fruit. And we know there are many who call themselves believers They may be religious folks, but outside of Jesus there is no producing fruit unto God the Father. And whether it has been those who have presented themselves by as deceivers or imposters or hypocrites, anyone that is outside the pale of salvation, if they have not been born again, then friend, there is no fruit that can be produced for the Lord. And it's good for us to think upon that and consider it in our own hearts because as believers, we want to be fruit-bearing for the Lord. We want to dig about our lives and see, are there evidences there? It's the main purpose of our life that we would bear fruit for the Lord because bearing fruit for Christ, it will glorify God and our chief aim is to glorify Him and to enjoy Him forever. So therefore, in the relationship we have in the Savior, it is that we will ultimately glorify our Father in heaven, and the spiritual fruit that we will bear, well, Paul talks about it in Galatians, it is the fruit of the Spirit. It's love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. As I read over that list again, Dear friends, I see the great lacking of those things in my own heart and life. And so what it does, it should make all of us to pray over those things, saying, Lord, I need to have these things multiplied in my life. 
I need to see those things and those branches bearing fruit for the Lord. And when you notice something in your own heart, Christian, that where there is a lack in a particular area, then hone in on that area and pray it through with the Lord for the grace that is necessary to see this fruit abounding in us. We are called to have holiness unto the Lord. And in Romans 6, verse 22, there is a phrase that says, fruit unto holiness. This will be seen by doing the will of God in our life. That's kind of a general statement, isn't it? Well, are you doing the will of God? Well, yes, I'm doing the will of God. I believe I am. And so there are, in, that as, in the aspect of a general sense of it, but there's also the very specific and, well, those detailed evidences of doing God's will in our life. And when you're seeking for the Lord's will to be done in you, or some particular decision, that prayer is a very good one to pray. Lord, I want to do Your bidding. I don't want to go my own path. I don't want to be motivated by my own goals. I want, Father, to fulfill Your will in my life. And therefore, I am praying specifically for that obedience to follow the will of God and His commands. And then the fruit-bearing of humility of mind and heart, the Christ-like Spirit that always deflects from us unto Him. And the old battle that we all have with pride in the heart and those things that the devil will cause to make rise up in our minds, well, we must battle against them and take dead aim on those particular things and so we all know what they are in our own lives. But believer, it's a great mercy and privilege that God has blessed us with to be able to bear fruit for Him. It's God's mercy that He allows us to offer anything to Him. Now we think about offering our tithes, right, our money, finances. And what a blessing that is to be able to give unto the Lord. Though sometimes it takes believers a little time to really grasp the full blessing of what that means, of entering into the joy of worshiping God by giving our tithes and offerings to Him. Because whenever you have to reach into your pocket and you've got a hundred other things that need to be paid, and you wonder, how can I pay God first? Because if I do that, I'll have nothing left. But that's the joy and the step of faith, by the way, of learning what it is to give unto God first of the first fruits of our increase, and then we will see how He supplies the bounty after that. So friends, enter into the joy of giving unto God because He has allowed us to do that. And He has allowed us also to be called laborers, co-workers with our God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3.7, So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. And so the teaching of that verse is quite simply that engaged in the work of the Lord, we are sowing the seed. We, we are giving out. We are doing. We are trying and wanting to bear fruit for Him. But to acknowledge that as we do one part and another believer comes along and does another part, 
We never forget that it's God who is the one that brings in the harvest and the bounty so that I can't take credit, you can't take credit, but it all goes unto the Lord. And this is part of the bounty and the benefit and the blessing that comes to us of bearing fruit for Him. Well, what about the, the chopping off times, the pruning, the cutting away? When God sees our life, sometimes you know what He sees? Unwanted growth. Stuff that should not be there. Stuff that's going to hinder the real fruit bearing. We had the opportunity uh, being down in North Carolina and going to a place called Chimney Rock. It's, uh, it's uh, an outgrowth of rock from a big mountainous area, very famous in North Carolina. We also were able to go to a large orchard there with the girls picking some blackberries and they had apples there as well. And I was talking with the man at the desk and just asking him a lot of questions about apple growing and how all that takes place. And he was talking about, he's the fourth generation that has been doing this. And he said when his forefathers began planting, well, the way they did it, the trees planted took a a long time to grow and they grew very high. It was so hard to get the apples off a 25-foot tree without ladders and a lot of trouble. But they have developed on and on the better way to get more fruit out of the apple tree. And now... The apple trees, they plant, they, they plant them like vines, like a vineyard. And so they have cables and ropes that hold up the apple stalk. And they don't grow any more than about seven, maybe eight feet tall. And they produce a lot of apples, but they're able to manage them. And the whole idea behind that for the farmer is the more that we use the technology, the availability of fertilizers and of pesticides, those type of things, well, we'll get more apples. And of course, for the farmer, that's the way he wants to make it work. Well, we think about that in our own life. That as they go along and they have figured out a way to make the trees, maybe not growing so unwieldy that they cannot get the fruit off the top very easily, the Lord comes along to our lives. And He will do His pruning, His vine-caring work in us. And sometimes, friends, quite frankly, we don't see it as altogether necessary, but it is necessary. We might think it appears hurtful at times, but always remember that the Lord has our best interest at heart. And perhaps something in our life that we become accustomed to, we don't see any problem with it, no disadvantage at all. The next thing, the Lord's come along and He's taken it away. And we're kind of shocked by that. But can we trust Him with faith to say, Lord, You know best. You know what had to be taken away from us. We might think it's our disadvantage. But no, friend. What the Lord is doing in your heart today, what He's doing in your life, it is for His honor. It is for your good. And ultimately, it will be for God's glory. It might appear hurtful, but the Lord never will do anything to hurt you as His child. Can we see that all things work together for good? They don't work apart. They work together for good to them that love God and who are called according to His purpose. And when the trial does come, when the cutting off has to happen, Well, the Lord 
takes us away, perhaps from our own dependence, takes us away from the world, and draws us nearer and nearer to Himself. And at the end, is that not what we want? It's ultimately for the greater bounty and glory of our Lord. And He's promised us a reward that will last for eternity. Your fruit shall remain. It will not wither. It will not rot. It will remain because it is eternal and everlasting fruit. And so, yes, we will bear fruit for Him. But I want you also to notice that abiding in Christ means that our prayers will be answered. If you look at verse 7 again, this is really at the very heart of this text. Last time we were together, I focused mainly on the first two lines, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, what that means. The Lord says, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. This is the certain conclusion that our prayers will be answered and that whatsoever we ask in Jesus' name, which means for Christ's glory and for God the Father's glory and for our ultimate good, it shall be given. Now, we read in 1 John 5 today, and the very same apostle re-emphasizing that truth that if we ask in Jesus' name according to the will of God, then He will grant us. John did not include that specifically here. These were not the words that Jesus spoke directly, but they were part of the Holy Spirit's instruction in 1 John chapter 5. But I want to emphasize to you today, because the Lord emphasizes this for us, if Jesus had said this, like say, once or twice, well, you might think there would be a purpose of impressing on our hearts. But I want to share with you that in this final sermon of our Lord to His disciples, He declared this truth six times. Look back at John 14, verse 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Number one. Next verse. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now remember that this is still in the same context of the Savior talking to His disciples in this final sermon. Then if you come to our text in 15 verse 7, we have it repeated there, but then go over to verse 16 of John 15. Jesus said, Ye have not chosen Me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye ask of the Father in My name, He may give it you. And then turn over to chapter 16, verse 23. And in that day, ye shall ask Me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that whatsoever ye ask the Father in My name, 
He will give it you. And verse 26, At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me, and have believed that I came out from God. Now it's interesting as we're thinking about asking in Jesus' name. Dear brothers and sisters, this is at the very heart of our praying. And Jesus is saying very specifically in verse 23, in that day ye shall ask me nothing. And he's setting before us a principle of prayer. And the principle of prayer is this, when we come to God, We are coming to the Father in our praying. We are coming to the Father based upon the merit and the value of what Jesus Christ has done. We are asking in Christ's name. Now, many times believers will be praying directly to the Lord Jesus. And I think it's important for us to be careful to follow this very direct and specific pattern that God has given to us. That does not mean, friends, that in your personal communion with God, you're talking to the Father. Well, of course, you're speaking to God the Father in the Trinity. You're speaking to Christ Jesus in the Trinity. You're speaking and praying to the Holy Spirit in the Trinity. But the Lord has told us the ground of the answers and the giving of the requests that you are making to Him. They are based upon the work of His Son. They're based upon Calvary. They're based upon all the merit and the value of Christ Jesus' sacrifice and His atoning work. And therefore, Jesus is saying, My Father will grant you the petition as we have come in my name. And that is a very strong indication why a lot of prayers that might be offered by people that, you know, kind of in formal, formal situations, even our government that offers prayer before parliament or something else, and they're praying, but they do not ask in Christ's name. Why not? Because they don't want to offend the other religions and the other people who may pay lip service to a God of somewhere or something. No, when you pray in Jesus' name, that makes a lot of difference to people. And it's very offensive to many people. But never let us stand or be fearful or afraid of that. For all our Lord has done on our our account and everything He has given to us, let us worship Him and praise Him and never be afraid of this. All this teaches us so much about the vitality of prayer in the Christian's life and how it is evidence that we belong to our Lord Jesus. It speaks of our dependence upon Him and not upon ourselves. But do we not get discouraged at times when our prayers, well, they seem to be so weak and powerless and we do not see the answer to our prayers, and what I'm going to say is real time. We pray and we don't see the answer. We pray and we don't see it. 
And when we don't see those immediate answers, we begin to be weak or doubtful, thinking, God has not heard me. There's something wrong in my life. Why those prayers are not being answered. Well, we have to be clear and understand that sometimes there may be something in our life whereby those prayers are not answered because if there's sin in the heart, well, friend, the Lord said that our prayers will not be answered. We'll be hindered. If we have an unforgiving spirit, if we are asking amiss, as James says, asking in the wrong way for the wrong purpose and outcome, if we limit God by our faithless praying, and the list goes on. These matters, they must be addressed. We can't just keep going on and not thinking that the Lord is going to hold us to account. No. Sometimes there's no point praying about anything we have need of until we get the matters right in our own heart. God told Joshua to stop praying. Get up from your knees. Stop praying. Why would God say anything like that to Joshua? Because there was sin in the camp. Because Achan had stolen. He had dissembled. He had brought those things into the camp of Israel which should have been left in Jericho and been devoted unto God and destroyed. And it wasn't, friend, until the sin was addressed that there could be blessing in the life, in heart. And so that application is for us too. We must come before the Lord with an open and honest heart and say to Him, Father, please cleanse my, my mind, my heart, my soul. Let me put right the things that are not right. And help me, Lord, in this area. Because if we want to see the Lord's bounty, and the abundance of prayers answered, then we, we must go forward in this way. Some things will have to be flushed out of our lives. If not, there will be no power, and our witness and service for the Lord will be minimal, greatly hindered. The Lord, you know, is more willing to give than we are to receive And we find that when we bring ourselves and humble ourselves before Him, He is only too ready and only too quick to come with His healing and to come with those necessary answers for us. Let us therefore ask Him in faith, nothing wavering. The catalog that God sets before us is a vast one. The table is long and the mind is very deep. And therefore, let us not be negligent in this grace, but take up the challenge to use and make use of those available blessings to the very maximum. The final one I leave with you today is this, that abiding in Christ means that our joy will be full. This is found in verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This joy, it has to be explained, 
Because if God wants us to be filled with joy, we will ask ourselves, what type of joy is this? We know that the world has a a kind of joy. We know that it revels in sin and sinful pleasure. The world revels in everything that is apart from the holy things of the Lord. What does this look like? Well, it looks like the fool's joy. It looks like the gambler's joy. It looks like the adulterer's joy. The materialist joy. And everything else that the Scripture defines, my dear friends, as the world. We were in a restaurant Friday night with the Gullihers before the seminar and uh, met uh, one of the servers there in the Swiss chalet. Hadn't seen him for, well, it has to be close to 10 years, I guess. He's retired. But he was back filling in for that time. He recognized me. We had a nice little talk at the end. And he was speaking about his retirement and how he's been so desperate to get down to Las Vegas. He'd been there many years before, saving up. Of course, COVID locked everything down. So looking to get back to the tables, back to the one-armed bandits, as they call them. And it was sad to hear that was the gambler's joy. That's what he looked forward to. That's not the joy of the Lord, friend. That's not where, where our joy or heart should be. So if God wants us to be filled with His joy, that's the real possession that we should strive to obtain. And where does that joy center in? It centers in our Lord Jesus, of course. We know that that's where He abides. When we know Him, He is the, the axis. He is the very hinge of all of our spiritual life. And this is expanded when we find joy in the things that please Him and bring glory to His name. And this joy from the Scripture comes through obedience and submission to His will and walking with God and knowing His constant presence in our lives. It's the joy dear brothers and sisters of serving others. I'll tell you where you really see it. And is that our brother Sam just touched on before he sang, he mentioned about the fellowship in the house of God, among God's people. And I'm sorry I missed out on that last Lord's Day evening because it's always a blessing to me as I see the people of God together and all of the volume of noise and the interaction of people one with another my, my dear brothers and sisters, this is what it is of serving one another in the fellowship of God's house and enjoying each other's company. And you really feel bad for Christians who stay away or have excluded themselves from that fellowship for some reason that is very foolish, some reason that might be very bitter, and they lose out in the long run. It's a very sad thing. And so what we pray for is that we will enjoy the fellowship of each other. That's part of the joy of serving. And of course, there's joy and thanksgiving in the wonderful provision that God has given to us in nature. The grandeur of creation 
and the bounty that He has blessed us with. These are all wonderful things. And you look out at creation of the heavens, of the solar system, of the universe, and you realize the words of Psalm 19, how that the glory of God is demonstrated in the greatness and grandeur and majesty of His creation. And you know, those who are without God, they see some of this, but they don't really know what to do with it. For example, the evolutionist, the atheist, they might see beauty in nature, and they might look up to the universe and see grandeur and power and might. How could they not? But they don't know who to thank. Because in their minds, there is no one to thank. It just all happened. Order, creation, the minute details of the information that's included in the DNA molecule, and those things that are so amazing. And you know, one of the great difficulties that the atheist has, or the evolutionist, and this is, they've concluded this themselves, is something called fine-tuning in the universe and creation. Because they will look in science and they will try to explain there is no God in science and it gives evidence that all has come about here out of nothing with no former plan and no information given. And yet they come face to face with the fine-tuning of the DNA molecule and they're overwhelmed by all how that information get in there. Who put it there? Well, it just happened. What? It just happened? That fine-tuning is one of the most amazing arguments for the existence of God and of a great Creator. And then you look at something that the size of our earth, if it was any larger, we would all burn being closer to the sun. If we were any smaller, we would freeze because we're too close, far away from the sun, like Mars and so on. And so in those situations, you see the evidence that there is a master plan behind it all. There are so many, hundreds and hundreds of these fine-tuning arguments that, my friends, it makes us come back to wonder and say as the psalmist did, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And we look to the God of creation and the God of salvation who has blessed us and given to us His Word, not just in nature, but we have His Word, the written Word of God. And if we abide in Christ and His precious words abide in us, we will come to Him and we will pray and we will receive those answers to our prayer six times the Lord Jesus tells us, I will do this. It will be done. In conclusion today, as we bring all this together, the deep settled joy that the Christian has, well, certainly because our sins have been washed away. We have a home in heaven. We know that. Because the Word of God is given to guide us and to encourage us, and to correct us. That we are destined to bear fruit, could I say much fruit, for Him. 
How much fruit are we bearing? The Lord enables us to do this by His power. And that all that we have, all of our needs, they're supplied to us through the ministry of prayer. Let us take hold of this great benefit that God has given to us. And then to realize that the God of grace and glory, the God of power, has said, I have joy that I want to give to you. And the Christ of God has said, my joy will be in you to the full. And so, may the Lord help us today. And friend, if you're here or listening online and you're not a believer, you don't know Christ, then I say to you today, come to Him. Call upon Him. He is only a prayer away from you. Let's bow before the Lord. Father, we are so unbelievably and immeasurably blessed. And I pray that we would understand and comprehend such blessing when the spirit of complaining or the spirit of bitterness takes hold in our minds. O oh God, rid us from those defiling things and help us to be a fellowship of Your people that are tightly bound together in the unity of the faith. Hear our prayers today. Save souls, Lord, we ask. That's our burden. Save precious souls. So part us now in your fear with great blessing. And as we look forward to coming back again tonight, that we would know your spirit and power. We ask these things now in Jesus' holy name. Amen.